Hello and welcome to Bad End Podcast. This is episode number 85. I am Josh Calixto, joined by Kyle Cookstell, as always. Hello. And we are here joined by Yusuf Cole, a previous guest on the show. Uh, Yusuf, why don't you introduce yourself to all of our listeners, to those who maybe aren't familiar with you or your work just yet? Sure. Thanks for having me again, once again. I'm happy to be here. Still a special guest, even though it's your second time. Josh didn't say special guest, but <laughs> slightly, I want to emphasize. Slightly less special. <laughs> yeah. slightly Not as shiny as last time. Yeah. Like a silver level guest. Um, it's like your rarity has dropped to like gold versus purple yeah. the first yeah, time. Yeah, I'm like legendary and no, no, no longer epic. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I, uh, for those who don't know, I, I, I write about games. Um in a critical manner and you can i you can find me on twitter that's where i i post my stuff i also do like animation and video stuff so i was creative creative director of patriot act for a couple for its run of like two years that's done now so more time to fuck around with games i guess (laughs) um and yeah happy to happy to talk about whatever i feel like you're one of the the few that's sort of um, like keeping the dream of like good games crit alive. And I think part of that secret is because you had like another job where you could just sort of like (laughs) drop these like nuclear articles and everyone was like, Oh my God. But you know, it's, it's hard to do that when you're trying to do it, you know, every week at a games pub. So I think that I really appreciated if someone hasn't heard your previous podcast, obviously, like, uh, I don't know, do you want to call out some of the stuff you've written that people might have seen? Because, you know, I think people see articles sometimes and don't necessarily, like, you know, be like, oh, that's this this writer. Oh, sure. Um, I guess this year, like, I was, th- you know, like, thinking back on this year, because we're getting to the end, uh, thankfully. <laughs> um, I You're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, like I, I write a, a monthly column at, at Unwinnable, which is like a games culture uh, blog PDF, and uh, I had some fun pieces in, in that. Like the beginning of the year, I, I wrote something about about um, about that Star Wars game from last year, the Jedi one. I forgot what it was called. <laughs> it's been so long. The <laughs> Dark Souls. No, yeah, the Dark Soulsy one. Fallen Order. Yeah, Fallen Order. Right. Yeah. The game was like real, a real banger when it came out and then no one ever talked about it again. <laughs> um, but that was fun. I was kind of talk. I was kind of kind of sh- like taking shit out of the, out of the, Je- out of the Jedi and like how, how they how they're weird and like this weird religious cult and like aren't actually good guys. That was kind of fun to write about. And I guess the probably the, the most intense piece I wrote this year Actually, that's, that's not true. Like, I I wrote like a, I've started writing for Wired because they have a new like games vertical up, which is you know off to like a, a steady a steady start. <laughs> I don't know if it's I feel like, like every year Wired has like a new games vertical, <laughs> and it's like, didn't you did you write yeah. about games last? What was it last year? They never no, they have never written about <laughs> games until this moment. This is the first time. <laughs> Ignore all previous coverage except for Julie's because she's awesome. Yeah, like Julie's um, holding it down. Yeah, she definitely has been. Um, but yeah, like I wrote a like kind of a compendium about like Black Ops, the Black Ops series, like the first three Black Ops games, just the single player game, like single player campaigns. 
um, which is kind of funny because like no one ever thinks about those. Um, it's all about the multiplayer for Black Ops, but um, I kind of just dug into the single player and wrote um, something kind of like some summarizing like what they're about in preparation for this new one coming out. Um, they're not really about anything. <laughs> like this is the takeaway. Uh, they don't really have like a, a thesis, but they're interesting. I mean, they're pretty weird and like worth kind of, I, I enjoyed my time with them because they go places. Um, I also wrote a piece about uh, Last of Us for Bullet Points, um, and that was that was well received. And Bullet Points is a um, a site that I uh, that I co-edit with Reed McCarter, and is also on the Superculture Network that yeah. that this podcast is a part of. Your you know your we're we're your your cousins, your brothers from other mothers. <laughs> um, happy happy to join forces. So yeah, that's been like the, that's been the kind of like the big thing of this year for me is, is actually like that's my first like editing gig like or like semi full time, um, getting a chance to like just edit a lot of pieces and a lot of different writers has been great because that's not a skill I've had to work work on um, like I only edit myself, and so I've I've like learned a ton it's like you know from Reed because he's a great editor, and just figuring out. Um, you know how to give comments and how to like support people's voices while also helping them achieve their best it's really it's like harder than it sounds and i think we've we've put out some great pieces this year and we still, still have a couple months but we, i don't know if cyberpunk's gonna make it because <laughs> it keeps getting delayed <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I do, I, for people who also have like heard about bullet points on this podcast but um haven't like taken the leap like it used to be it used to be like about i think mostly first person shooter stuff hence like bullet points but they've since expanded i don't know if it was with the redesign but a lot of the stuff they do now is just basically kind of it's they'll do a monthly kind of zine on a game so they'll have a month and they'll run like uh it's like five or six articles a month on a on a specific game so usually four yeah but sometimes four yeah like one, so if you one ever, once like, a week. definitely check them out. It's what the last week, I guess it was amnesia this yeah. month. Yeah. We, we yeah. Kept, we've been covering the whole amnesia, like, uh, I guess trilogy at this point, um, started <laughs> with the, we had a week on the first one. Once I covered the second one, both really cool articles. And then the last two weeks are kind of on the, on the new one, like the rebirth. So it's been like a bit of a, a summary, like summarizing and also looking forward and um and next month we're actually going to dive back into black ops because the new one's coming out amnesia josh i know you played it i want to just preface this with i think something that amnesia has has seemed to do and especially in reading the articles that you guys have put up um you all uh is it, it does like the horror movie thing where um i think a lot of horror movies would just sort of come out as like one-offs but then when they're successful they're incentivized to make another one um, but because they didn't like, it's, it's, a, it's like a stark contrast to something like, you know, the Marvel cinematic universe where every movie comes out with this like very pre-planned timeline. And oftentimes horror movies are very swingy in terms of how they interpret their own lore. And it sounds like rebirth in general is sort of reckoning a little bit with this in sort of like a critical way, but just that amnesia is like such like an, 
kind of like a nothing from a story perspective game. And then you do machine for pigs and now rebirth. And all of a sudden, just like the, um, like the conjuring movie happened and now there's Annabelle and there's like an Annabelle prequel movie that all of a sudden there's like the Annabelle cinematic universe is like evolved <laughs> and it feels, it feels very distinctly scary movie. Like no one, no one embarks with the thought that they'll do another one, but then like all of a sudden you're on like the ring three and they've got to reckon with this weird thing that happened in the one happened in one. They've got to like, you know, reverse, narrativize this thing so it's like uh, it's, it's like it's just a funny way to see how like messy universes happen in a time where it feels like you know you're only making a movie uh if you're making a movie that feels like it will have a sequel you'll make it such that it has a sequel provided it's not a scary movie which typically are like you know low budget get the stuff out as quick as possible etc but josh you've been playing rebirth actually what, what's the what's the word yeah i beat it i actually finished the game whoa yeah, it's it's not that long. It's like ten ish hours, um, or at least that's how long it took to beat for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but speed ran it. No, no. I mean, <laughs> I think I might have the, just the opposite. Actually, like I sometimes I felt like I was just plotting through super slowly. Um, I had tried to play other amnesia games before this. Uh, Machine for Pigs like just went free was free on the Epic Store like a week ago or something like that. And I just couldn't get into it. Felt kind of like arcane and really just clunky. And this one is pretty. It's pretty clunky. Also, um, it remind they remind me of like Thief or something or like Oblivion. Those types of games where it's very like hold the thing in your hand and then hover it over a th- the other <laughs> thing to see if it interacts or something. It's not just like that. It doesn't just give you the context thing where it's like okay, you have the key in your inventory. There's a keyhole. Use it. So, uh, you know, I'm me, an overthinker. I'm like, am I supposed to use my key on this keyhole? <laughs> like, did I get a key at some point? Because it was like an hour ago. And it, it, it makes me very unsure in a lot of cases. But this game does do a good job of making it so that those situations are somewhat few and far between. And they make a lot of sense. It's not that difficult. It's not that hard of a horror game. Um, in addition, I don't think it's very scary i i guess your mileage will vary based on your uh susceptibility to scares and whatnot but um most of the i i don't know maybe i've just grown because i used to get really scared by shit back in the day but now it takes quite a bit to like really scare me a lot but uh i, I and i also find that the stuff that scares me is more like on a psychological level Whereas this game, it's like monstery stuff, like creatures lurking in the dark, you know. Um, if anything, these games sort of tend to work for me more as like thrillers that kind of get my heart racing a little bit, as opposed to things that really haunt me after I play them, just like thinking at night about the, 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 um, just what, what it all means and like what its implications might be of, of the horror, which this game does not really have. But I do, I like this game quite a bit just because of where it takes the horror thing. Um, It feels like kind of the opposite of Bioshock in that it's like, it's about motherhood. Uh, I think a lot of horror tends to reckon with, with the theme of motherhood, right? There's like, in a lot of ways, this feels parallel to Alien almost, 
like mm. the whole alien universe where there's just like people giving birth to aliens and just like you know wanting to like take care of your young but also like being chased down by some crazy creature all and it, it's like all mixed in with this like need to like reproduce and create and care for our young while also like having to reckon with the things that got us to where we are um and an amnesia rebirth takes that in a direction that a lot of video games don't there's some i think genuinely surprising moments in this game uh and just some nutty visuals man birthed? um no no you don't get you don't get rebirthed you don't get to like see you don't get to like get birthed and see like you just come out so no it's not fallout which uh a game from Did the universe out? of which we will talk about a bit later, I think. Oh, you were uh, sorry, the baby. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, you, you get born. You're just like, oh, you open yeah. your eyes and you're in a cradle. Um, <laughs> but this dad. game, you you play as a... I mean, it's not really a spoiler. It's pretty early on that you learn this, but you're a pregnant woman. So you're carrying your baby. And uh, there's like a press X to look down at your baby <laughs> and calm it down oh when you're getting chased. Wow. Very death stranding. Um, Do you think one yeah. pregnant woman worked on this game? Mm, currently pregnant? No. Maybe. It's possible. I don't think you it's really just, needed to consult with someone who's like actually pregnant. It just like, But just like I feel like that's <laughs> such a topic that I can totally see just like a standard run-of-the-mill like game studio dude being like i got this and, <laughs> like, like makes a story about what it's like to be a pregnant woman <laughs> yeah i mean it seems like there were women who had <laughs> gone through pregnancies who worked on the game i don't want to speak too soon here but you know I, I who developed this game frictional there's got to be some women working there right <laughs> Who did the story? I mean, it's the games industry, man. I wouldn't. There was voice that. actresses in there. Maybe they had. They could say something. <laughs> who wrote the game? Like, Excuse me, are you pregnant? You know, okay, pregnant on. women don't actually do this. You know, and also, there's a they lot don't of leap across chasms, getting chased by monsters. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, there's also some supernatural stuff going on. Some. It's. It's the more you play it the more you see it's it's pretty alien inspired there's some it's not geiger influenced i wouldn't say the art direction but there's some like alternate universe stuff that you go into that feels very alien-esque mm. to me um that's also not really a spoiler because it comes in pretty early in the game but i love that stuff like it's just this cosmic horror shit that they just pull you into from kind of like the start of the game you're just all of a sudden you're in another universe and there's crazy stuff going on, but they focused on a lot of uh, really cool, interesting human themes that I dig. There's like multiple endings. So it's kind of Bioshock esque in that way. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like Bioshock alien. I would, I would say. That sounds cool, but I'm sort of with you. I've played the past. I played some of the past amnesia games and it's just, it always felt too pedantic. It's just like, like I don't like it's it's sort of like scary if you can like stay on like the critical path of like where you're supposed to go. But if you get lost, it's like, all right, I'm not scared anymore. 
I want to move faster. I've got this fucking candle. Like, just tell me where to go. Cause now I'm just frustrated. And I'm like, it's not exciting anymore to be lost in like a dark area. And so I heard I like ma- machine for pigs. I didn't play anything. That's why. Well, yeah. I've barely played the first one, but then I heard machine for pigs was more narrative driven. Right. And like less puzzles, which sounded great. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. that was developed by the Chinese room. Yeah. yeah. So they yeah. went on to do what everybody's gone to the rapture. Yeah. Or one of those, mm-hmm. which is, you know, totally different. I feel like this probably, this game probably splits the difference in that it's, this is very narrative driven. There's a lot of, um, the, the main character speaking, it's very talky. She has a lot to say. Um, there's like a lot of memories that kind of play back. You're talking to your baby and your belly and stuff, looking down at it. It's normal pregnant um, woman stuff. Yeah. Yeah. She comments talking. on the puzzles and shit. She's talking. <laughs> Um, is it kind of like Uncharted where like Nathan Drake's always like commenting on all, everything around him? <laughs> it sort of is, but it's less, it, it's not annoying to me because it's not like zingers focused, like in the like MCU type shit where they're like, that was crazy. You're like mm-hmm. in control. To do that, too. Whoa, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, there's not, not so much that of that. right it's more just her like processing things as you know information as she takes it in and kind of um expanding and exposing a bit more of like the lore and what's going on in the story and whatnot she is very focused on saving her baby uh which is kind of like one of the driving forces behind this game and i kind of like that about it it keeps it grounded even as more layers of the lore are being peeled back. Um, and I think maybe that's why this game is less scary because there's always that very human element element. It never ditches that. Um, I think the scariest shit to me is when it just totally abandons any sense of semblance of humanity in just favor of just totally just wrong alien, just, just stuff that hurts you to look at because it's so disturbing. Uh, it never goes there. Uh, so that might be reassuring. It is a pretty easy play for being a horror game like this, in my opinion. Mechanically, what I guess bothered me about the game is that, you know, there's this whole mechanic in Amnesia where it's like you're in the dark for a lot of the game. And this game is no different. You'll just walk into a pitch black room and you just you're just you have no clue what's going on. You have maybe like two matches or something and you have to like light your match and try to find your way around. That's what I'm talking about, man. It's just like <laughs> it's scary, uh, bro. It's I dark. Got, I don't got time for that. But your eyes adjust uh-huh. so you can kind of see in the dark for a bit. But when you're in the dark for too long, you die. Basically is how it works because you go insane. OK, but they don't really like is there because in the first one there was like an insanity meter, right? Or you just you get there's no insanity yeah, meter. Just, it, it just happens. You start seeing like jump scares flash mm. on the screen, and then you're just like, oh, and then it's like game over, and then mm. you have to really restart from your last load or whatever. Um, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by. I like that. I like that you said that it's not super hard because yeah, I mean. The narrative does sound really interesting. And like, just like, cause uh, Reed wrote an essay last week about it. And like the, the connection between the alien civilization and like the French colonization of Algeria sounds cool. Right. Like it sounds like really interesting, like Whoa. parallel to draw. 
because it takes place in like the Algerian desert, right? And like you're yes. kind of in this, you're digging into this big temple or this like, you're accessing it through this certain lens of these like soldiers um, and like them being on, in this foreign land uh, that they don't belong in. And I think that's kind of like, it sounds pretty cool. Like, and what was interesting was I always remember the first amnesia being like, in terms of like reckoning with its universe, like I remember the first amnesia being like very casually orientalist where it's like, oh, yeah. you know, this curse came from Africa somewhere or like right. the <laughs> pyramids. Um, anyway, let's spend the rest of the game in this mansion. Like and not really worry about that. And like this, it feels like they're like, okay, let's actually like interrogate what we wrote, I guess, 15 years ago or, or 10 years ago, whenever the game came out. Yeah, it does feel like they are reckoning with that stuff a lot more. I don't feel as if the story necessarily revolves around that stuff, um, but I think it handles it responsibly. I think it's a strong game for the way that it handles this stuff because it does uh, bring into question like just why are these people here? What are they doing here? Who is in this party of people who kind of crash land on this airplane in this this place? And, uh, you know, what are they trying to accomplish? And there's there's a big central theme of like being in a place where you don't belong and trying to change that place and making it worse in the process, mm -hmm. trying to kind of like create something new and sort of like rebirth or give birth to something new and having to deal with the repercussions of that. Um, and it does draw parallels between this sort of alien world that you enter into, which has its own backstory and it has in its own right become corrupted. Um, and then uh, where you like initially land in the desert and then your status as an expecting mother as well. All those things are kind of like intertwined in a really in in interesting and complex way. I think it's hard to know like exactly what it's trying to say about these things by the end of the game, because there are multiple ways that the narrative could go. But I think it is trying to suss out the friction involved in like all these things by kind of tying them all together in this horror package. So yeah, I, it's not that hard of a game. I would say if you have been scared of approaching these, these games in the past, because like you thought it was too scary or because you thought it was going to be too difficult or like the way too complex to deal with. This one is not that way. I think it, it's pretty modern as far as gaming experiences are concerned. It's not too difficult. There was times where I would like die, but it spawned me like past the challenge that I was trying to <laughs> be. And I was like, oh, okay, like, I, I don't have to deal with that anymore, which, like, kind of defeats the purpose of it being a horror game, I guess. But some of the some of the fucking monsters you have to deal with are bullshit in this game anyway. So it's good that they do that because I would I would hate to get stuck on some of these things. It was like, if they see you, you're dead type mm, shit. But right. then they just respawn you past it. So it's all, it's all good. There's It's not that hard. So, yeah check it out it's it's narratively driven and it, there's, it has interesting things to say and so cool shit happens at the end so check that one out for sure um, but you know what this i was saying this earlier uh on the bad end discord uh which you can gain access to patreon.com slash bad end um this i this feels like one of those games where 
high likelihood of it going on like Xbox Game Pass <laughs> in like two months. So yeah. if you want to wait on it, maybe do that. But, you know, you never know. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll take a couple years to get to that level. But it's fun. It's good. And yeah. I, mean, I think, I mean, it's a great, I'm just happy to support the company. They're, they're pretty solid company. Like Frictional does good stuff. Like Soma's one of the coolest horror games released sure. in a while right yeah and of course support developers wherever you can which is why i paid for it um even if it is on xbox game pass at some <laughs> point or goes on sale on steam thank you for your sacrifice um, <laughs> no i mean it's worth what 40 Don't bucks or whatever it I for the for podcast it. patreon so <laughs> we should start expensing no yeah, um, we keep doing that you know like we, go, you're gonna go broke so fast on the patreon <laughs> Oh God! With the amount of games I play, maybe I also <laughs> played. Game, oh, Paradise Killer! Y'all heard you? You guys heard of this game? Paradise Killer. This. Yeah, I, I know about this it, game. I heard good things. Yeah, so this game is—it's quite the mishmash of different influences, and pretty clearly so. I would say it's like a VN that has the feel of like novel. a Rampa. what what's that that means visual novel a visual novel yes uh like a Rampa with like a 999 uh type of feel to it um and mixed with like killer seven slash like grasshopper aesthetics and like some vapor wavy soundtrack and vibe with some demonic possession type stuff. Um, and Oh, with Ace like attorney? Phoenix, Wright Ace attorney. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's a whole detective slash, uh, you go to trial at the end of it and you, you're trying to discover, uh, what happened on this Island. But yeah, basically <laughs> I, I don't even know how to begin describing how this game works, but it's like a, uh, it's a, it's a mystery that you are set to solve on an island that uh, is basically like they have these islands that they go to, the demons, and then they like basically turn the populace of these islands into sacrifices for uh, their demon overlords. And then once the sacrifice has been made, they like ditch that island and go to a, a new island and... Uh, and this happens over the course of like long, very, very long periods of time. So it's like entire worlds that are like birthed and rebirthed. And uh, once the sacrifice occurs, uh, um, but yeah, they, they sacrifice the populace of this island and then they start a new island and try to like do it better, basically trying to achieve like perfection on the next island. Uh, but the demons aren't like doom demons where they're like super scary to look at or whatever they have like weird demonic features like maybe one will be like a skeleton or one has like a goat head but they're like cool they're like they look cool they talk cool some of them are like bartenders or like you know just they got six packs and stuff and they're like all hot and shit like that so it's kind of like hades-esque in that way where all the characters are very like it feels like tumblr people like stuff that could have been created on tumblr a while ago they're like oh that's a cool character concept it's got like um 
very much like sort of slightly horny Hades things like you're saying. It's like a little like, uh, it seems this could have been the picture of someone's fanfic about like, you know, some sort of sexual escapades. Yes. Vibes. Yes. Um, but you're, you're, there's this murder that's taken place at the beginning of the game and you're kind of tasked with solving it. So you go around the island, which is pretty big. It's like, it's like an open world game and you look for clues and you do like some smaller puzzles and you talk with uh, the suspects and you kind of use the information and start interrogating everyone and cross-examining and re-interrogating people as you discover more information. And then you try to like counteract what they say if you found evidence to the contrary. And then at the end of the game, like you hold this trial and you try to catch who the actual killer is. Uh, but as far as I know, like it's not really possible to know what definitively happened because there are different versions of the truth that people are feeding you. There's different evidence that you can find. There's different ways to kind of put that stuff together, different ways that you could process that through the justice system within the game. Um, for me, what I'm, I really dug about Paradise Killer is just that it's aesthetically, it's a lot to take in. There's a, there's a lot here that you have never seen before in a video game and just how it looks and just what's going on. It feels like this kind of playable vaporwave universe that you kind of think about when you think about like vaporwave as an aesthetic. And this is, it's, you play through it uh, yourself, which I really like about it. And you're kind of absorbing uh, all these vibes and it's just kind of washing over you constantly. And um, it took me a couple hours to kind of get into it. But once the mystery starts rolling and you get the gist of the basic stuff going on in the world because it, it doesn't do much hand holding at the beginning but once you get the gist of what's going on it it really pulled me in and i couldn't couldn't stop till i finished this thing so is, is the soundtrack cool good i oh, imagine the soundtrack's were dope it's so good it's great um and I think it's coming out on vinyl sometime soon. So, can you give me like a mouth rendition of the, your favorite synth track? Mm. Oh, that's way more sort of excited than I was imagining. It sounds like Wave Race a little bit. It's a little, yeah, sure. It's a little Wave Racey. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of yeah, just I'm like callbacks to stuff now. that you're familiar with. Like the title when it comes up, it's like Paradise Killer. Killer. And there's like a. Mm, like kind of like ps1 like visual novel or uh <laughs> yeah just some some game from japan that yeah. you played it was only available in japan nice killer <laughs> yeah yeah that kind of thing i'm sure there was sonic games that had that mm -hmm. i will say one thing that really turned me off about this game and i'm still on the fence about playing it is just like it's like a real mishmash of aesthetics like nothing works together. It's like illustrated character art, weird, like skinny font that Katie and I hate like 3d environments that look sort of Minecrafty, but then not. And then I don't know. And then vaporwave stuff on top of it. It's just like, it's, it just seems very dissonant. It but does. Right. But when you're works. playing it, it doesn't, it feels, I don't really, I don't know why it works 
for me. I think you just forget. I think I think it you sounds just, like what you're saying is that the game is strong enough that it doesn't matter. Yes, is, and it's very you know, well shout written. Out to Paradise Killer. Very well written. Um, and for that reason, I I did feel some Disco Elysium vibes coming off it, just because it it comes together so well, and they're exploring some of the same themes. I would say, um, but yeah, it's just a really well written game. The the art direction itself, I think, is pretty high level top notch stuff um so that it all does blend together really well even though like when you try to describe it it sounds like none of it would actually work together uh but yeah it it feels natural while also feeling really alien just because you've never seen anything like it before uh which i think is what really pulled me in about it and i think is one of its definite strengths um it, it's a trip it's <laughs> <laughs> there's some visuals in there that I will that will never leave my brain. I mean, it sounds like it has a pretty bold like direction. Regardless, you know, it's, it's probably pretty like dissonant and like. But also, if if the art direction is confident, you kind of feel that when you're this like vaporwave has been covered in so many different ways at this point that I imagine right. they probably were like we have to like pull something out from left field to like make this stand out. Yeah, and mixing it with this kind of garish these garish demonic overtones where there's just like excess everywhere. And this, this whole vibe of like, it's like a Miami type of vibe palette wise, which is also very vaporwave. Um, they mix together really well. And that it's about this like gilded perfection that is like underpinned by corruption and this underlying darkness. So I like that about the game. Uh, and it, 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 it is very confident, like you said, and I think that's what kind of carries it is that confidence, even when it's like a little bit janky, it it's first person, there's for some first person platforming in there. A lot of this stuff does look kind of Minecrafty at times, but it, there's so much like texture to it and so many weird ass vistas that you can't even believe you're seeing that it, it's an, it's an adventure. There's a lot. And there's also a lot of cool, like, hidden shit in the game tucked away where it feels like you're actually uncovering this conspiracy um, and and going into places that you shouldn't be, which I think Disco Elysium was also pretty good at doing. So Paradise Killer, dope game. Just really cool world to explore. It's also really not well the written. only demon-driven detective game that came out, like, in the past two months because also um, this game called Lucifer Within Us is also out, which is another like weirdly timed occult demon investigation type thing. So it's just it's I've never I haven't heard happened. of that one. Um, not familiar. However, well, I will say that the demon stuff in this game is not. It's handled so nonchalantly and in such a casual manner that it doesn't feel like a game about demons you know what i'm saying like it also it almost feels just like this weird overlay for everything in some ways and the way that the lore functions and the way that this world functions is according to like some demonic tropes but the way that it's handled artistically is so different from that that it doesn't feel like a demon game or like a, a a game that is about that from what i've seen it looks very like um 
like Devilman Crybaby sort of interpretation of a like angels and demons where it's not like, oh, the demon. I mean, well, Devilman specifically has got like, you know, when he looks like a devil, but the world of angels and demons are not like, you know, it's, it's not like renaissance demons. It's like, oh, demons are not necessarily big, bad, mean people. Right. Um, they're just like, on there's a different There's good side. guys and bad guys. Yeah. God, I'm just thinking about some of the shit that happens in this game. Highly recommend checking it out. It's probably going to come in definitely top 10, maybe top 5 ooh, of this year for ooh. me. Yusuf, you've been playing a game that has been at the bottom five of everyone's game, everyone's lists well, the, for the past few years. Year, so don't worry about it. <laughs> last year, oh, yeah, bottom last everyone's year. list. But I guess it's like all MMOs, seems to slowly be crawling back up, which is just, it's, a, it's the cycle of MMOs. It's so tiring. One comes out, <laughs> everyone hates it. They say it's terrible. And then it like gets a core fan base then slowly grows over time while people are forgetting about it. See yeah. Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, the no man's sky mm-hmm. no, no man's sky, sky. destiny all and now, those games fallout, fallout 76 six, six. tell us about <laughs> fallout so for those who didn't play fallout 1 through 75 <laughs> you know, catch us up with uh, <laughs> well it, it's not even worth my time to explain 76 so much has happened before um <laughs> yeah so like i i didn't look too much into into what's happened what happened like what went into it like i know like when it came out that it was a huge flop and like everybody was like this is an embarrassment of a game um partially because it i think like they just weren't ready to take on that you know mmorpg framework kind of similar to how like when destiny one first came out and it was like just a mess um but Destiny at least was like a solid shooter and like Fallout has never been like any solid no. anything. Like it's always been about the role playing elements of it. Like where you're like, oh, it's really cool. I use vats to like shoot this guy's hand off and like he exploded, like exploded a barrel behind him and it created like a cascading event. Um, and just like the bugs are part of the experience. But I think they're a lot less tolerable when it's like online and when there are other players involved and when like this, the, the mode of interaction just doesn't track and vats are completely different too. Like there, there are no vats like you, I mean, they, they exist, but there's no like fr- time freeze. Like it just kind of makes you auto aim on people, um, which is super <laughs> disappointing as, as a system. Um, but um I've always, I mean, I, I've, I've always been a big fan of the 3D fallouts, even though like they are very inconsistent, but it's just like, it's kind of, it's just like a cool, like, like I, I like the jank, like it's kind of this, this certain comfort to it because you're just like, you know what, you know what you're getting <laughs> and like the goofiness of it all, like the, like it is kind of crazy that they everything looks the same as it did like Fallout 3 like the models are the same like the the textures are basically <laughs> the same. Like it's a little, it's definitely sharper. Like it looks nicer like the um cuz it takes place in Appalachia which they won't for, like mm. forget about. Um but it's all like it's kind of perfect for the season cuz all autumnal colors like it's like red and brown and golds and um nice light the lighting is much nicer but then the characters still look exactly the same and as like messed up as ever um but 
Um, I think that since it came out, it has, they've done a lot to make it feel a lot less, probably basically make it feel more like it just like a Fallout game <laughs> and, and less like kind of a, like a, a really poorly put together MMORPG with Fallout aesthetics <laughs> on it. Like it just feel like it, it just for me like it basically most of the experience feels like I'm playing like an iteration of Fallout, um, <laughs> kind of doing the missions and you know put slowly putting my base together. Um, that was like yeah. that was that was like the thing that they kind of like got a lot of flack for. Um, for like I don't know if it's totally justified because I feel like they were pretty open about this, but I remember like the big complaint early on was that there were no like. Um, I don't know if it was like voiced NPCs, but there's basically no dialogue trees with NPCs because the whole idea was that it was like, oh, it's your player. It's it's all about player interaction, so it's not focused on the NPCs. And like gamers sort of like lost their shit <laughs> about that, and they were like, oh, like we people people wanted a Fallout game, I think, and they were pretty much not making like a yeah. standard Fallout game. But it sounds like based off what you're saying, it's sort of veering back into like standard yeah 3d fallout i think that that's exactly it like because when it came out like games like you know battlegrounds and i guess fortnite to, fortnite to a lesser extent just like you know battle royale games even daisy like like they were they're like oh this this is something where it's like a post-apocalypse and players are creating all the storytelling uh with very very little extra um like there's no other layers on top of it it's just players and i could see like the the thinking where you're like oh maybe i can we can do that with fallout but first of all like those were already so well established and they're and they're like i think not having like such thing with like like battlegrounds like it's probably as horrible to play as like as the fallout games but it doesn't have like the fallout name behind it where you're expect you have a certain expectations going into it so part of it was just like, oh, I know this is going to be like a weird janky game and that I can forgive it for that. Um, but then when you go to play a new Fallout, like you, it's just like you can't you can't play a Fallout that is just like sh- having really shitty gunfights with other players and like um, <laughs> not having much of the narrative element to it. So I think they they if it seemed like they just walked it back. The, the fun part is actually like now playing this like normal fallout, fallout game but with like other players hanging out around nearby like that's an interesting that's a really interesting experience and i want to see how it develops like i haven't gotten high enough level to do any of the like because you can do like daily missions and you can team up with team up with people like so kind of like mmorpg stuff where it's like there's, there's a public event happening uh join these players and like take on this like harder thing together and you have to be, uh, I think, as close as it's more like the end game. So, like, I'm not really engaging with it. But I'll be doing, like, a regular, you know, regular, regular missions in a building, uh, you know, like, kind of uncovering some shitty corporation's bad behavior. Uh, <laughs> it's, like, 90% of the missions. Um, and then also, like, I'll be, like, at, 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 at a terminal. And then, like, I hear, like, super loud footsteps just, like, on the floor above me. And I'm like, what? And you kind of like turn around and this is like another player just doing the same mission. <laughs> and like they're not talking to you or interacting with you. And it's kind of like really awkward because like you like if you like if you're like timing lines up and then they'll like want to use the terminal and you're like, but it's only one terminal here. 
um like who wants who does it first like can i can we like squeeze in together and like pretend like you know we're not like in each other's space um, is there a lot of trash there's so much trash i feel like there's more trash than ever they need to stop really? with the fucking trash well it's like pockets. it's so important for everything because like you needed to build your bases i need scrap yeah that part i'm still um, i don't know i don't know why like i don't like it but i really forgive it but it's like really dumb <laughs> like just the the element <laughs> that the, just being perpetually overburdened because you're carrying so much junk so you can like bring it back it's to like your so base. much Ball peen hammers. Yeah, so many ball peen hammer hammers. So many coffee mugs. <laughs> gotta get empty that. tin cans. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like there's yeah they just made like twenty more trash items that you can pick up, um, and then like it's all about like scrapping it and then taking. It. I think the systems like with Fallout Four, I think were they didn't change it that much. Um, it's just like different setting, different story. They added like a new kind of ghoul. I mean like. We'll see, like where it goes. Like I think that the human player stuff is really interesting because when I started playing it, I'm like, especially your first start, like you're in the vault and it's doing the whole thing where it's like time to go, you know, save the world or whatever, or like you know, see what happens to the world now, vault dweller, like go off and just you know be somebody, and you kind of get out, you know, you leave the vault and you walk five feet and then there's like a guy that's like level 100 just like stomping <laughs> by and, you're, and it's like kind of like fully works with that uh like just the uncanniness of it where you're just like why like what is this world <laughs> like what like what does this mean like there it, there's not like it's an it's it's an apocalypse it's like a wasteland but it's full of like people who are super successful at like that's like it's like a it's like a libertarian like uh, fantasy world of of people in giant fortresses with all the guns and all the money and like and but they're not like mean like they like from like you can get shot by random players but for the most part they're just they're pretty chill like they're just like I feel like it's a laid back player population and maybe that's the problem that was like why the game didn't do well because like it was there wasn't the battle royale nature to it because like everyone was just like everyone was too chill yeah everyone was like just hanging out on their own <laughs> hordes of like of junk and loot um but it's just really it definitely like feels that, that that alone makes it feel super different from the other fallout games where like you were just like wandering through what you knew were abandoned places and in this case you're just like this world is super crowded um and there's always something going on and always like somebody messing around and you'll like you, you know you'll pass like a like a designer, you know, like a, a building that was designed by the developers. And then like right next to it will be like a player building. And like at first you might like some of them, like some of them are like really weird and obviously player buildings, but some of them just look like houses. And you're like, oh, wait, that's a yeah, that's like a player. A player made that. That's kind of cool. Like it's cool that I like mistook it for like a game, a game dwelling for a second. Yeah. Wait, so you could just like you could just see stuff other people built. Yeah. And it, how yeah. how does that work? I think it's also yeah. it's instant though, right? Like yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not, not permanent. Yeah, yeah, it's like instant. So like you'll start it, and then it'll be like maybe like a dozen other players or whatever, um, and then you, you can see their their forts, and you can go there. I, I haven't got at all into this yet, but apparently you like certain like recipes and plans you need to go to other players to buy. Um, so like they'll they'll have like shops, and uh, there's a whole economy there. Um, but I mean, it's like kind of cool because I was like, I was like, there's one point where I was wandering down a road and 
there was like a giant mega church like building that some dude had built and it was like church of rng jesus like oh that's pretty clever um and he was the guy was inside like just playing a theremin <laughs> um, i was like because you just walk that's by that, you like, hear like spooky MMO music. shit i want to know yeah it's it's just so mmo like it's just some spooky music playing uh and then i look inside some guys like right in the pulpit just playing a theremin and there's like his his ai companions like running around um <laughs> it was cool i was like okay i could i could i like this and of course there's like the fact that everybody can like i guess when you're high enough you can just drop drop nukes um which is oh you can nuke yeah that was my question. you can like, nuke can you, other can you nuke people? people okay but it doesn't seem like that effective because like when a nuke goes to get dropped like some computer voice is like a nuke is getting dropped clear this area in two minutes <laughs> So it's not like you can like surprise nuke anybody. Like they have like usually plenty of time to run away. Can you destroy their building? Maybe. Maybe you can destroy their building. I haven't looked into it, but I will say like when I first like when it first came out, everyone was like dogging the game because it's really like it's exceptionally stupid <laughs> that you were just like <laughs> uh, if the game is about um, like humanity trying to find like a new path after the apocalypse or whatever. Um and then you just give everybody nukes. That kind of defeats the purpose. But maybe that is the point. And maybe I'm miss maybe maybe I'm missing it. But and I but also playing it, it's really cool when nuke when the, when the nukes happen. Like <laughs> I'm into it. Like it's so like dramatic because you just like or want you're kind of like digging around um, in some trash, and then like the robot voice is like a nuke is dropping, and then you kind of go outside and you can just watch it happen if you're like far enough away. And it's quite the light show. And then Fallout seventy seven starts. Yeah, well, I also yeah, like to start a new version. I also like that your description of like the graphics <laughs> were like it. I think it's sharper, which is how <laughs> I would describe every yeah. one of these Bethesda. You just want to tell yourself that it's better. You're like, yeah, yeah this totally like looks better. I remember playing Fallout four, and like in, in remembering myself playing Fallout four, I both think. That game was prettier than I remember, but also I remember it just being so ugly. Like, there's just only so much you can do with, like, dilapidated wasteland where it's not just like, oh, it's gross. But I remember they did, like, one thing, one, I don't know if 76 does this, but it might. But, like, one of my favorite things of Fallout 4 was just, like, like the lighting model was, like, really good. So even if the terrain itself was, like, shitty and was, like, always just trashy and stuff, like, the sort of cycle of, like, day and night and then sort of like you get fog and blue light and stuff yeah made the environment like feel really alive in a way that i think it, it did a lot of work for them where like the is it actually better like yeah didn't matter as much because this just the overall lighting of stuff was like really good yeah it feels like that's i feel like it's the only thing they can change because the lighting here is really nice yeah. they're like we're just gonna dump all of our r&d into the lighting model and like just like let's be excited just for like, elder scrolls yeah, man like these next turds. one the this right makes lighting. Me, this makes me think, okay. Why are video games so obsessed with just disgusting spaces? Like why <laughs> is that all we ever get? It didn't used to be, dude. The post-apocalyptic thing hit in like 2008 with Fallout 3. But it's it not just really like post-apocalypse, dude. Think about like think about Elder Scrolls where it's like, oh, you got some cool overworld shit going on, but then you have these, like, 
caves that are just there's gross bugs in there and shit and you're just like huh. and then <laughs> skyrim comes out and it's just uh, the whole world's gonna be snow like what the hell is that dude i don't like half of it just looks like the same thing because it's all covered in snow and then like even think about bioshock where it's like the first couple bioshocks come out and it's like oh it used to be pretty but now it's gross and then that's like the first two Bioshocks. And then they come out with Infinite and they're like, this one actually still looks cool. But then they bait and switch you because you put like one fucking level where everything's nice. And there's like, <laughs> oh, it's like a libertarian's wet dream or whatever. It's old America brought back. And you're, it's actually kind of cool because it's like, oh, it's actually pretty and stuff. And then it's like. But actually, it's disgusting. And there's, like, blood on the walls and people writing. You're back in fucking, like, disgusting town, USA, where it's just, like, the rebellion is happening. There's blood on the walls. I've scrawled in my last dying breath. I left a note that has just my own viscera on it. And it's just, like, why every game does this. Like, why can't we just have a nice place to explore? Like, Breath of the Wild was cool for that reason, because I feel like there was actually nice shit in this world for me to look at. Like, it went, that had a lot of mileage, if you think sure. about it. Yeah. Like, no, why? You make, a, you make a good point. I mean, I think there's still, like, the edgy element of game. Like, you know, everything still wants to be, like, Doom or Quake, you know, where it's, like, this makes it more intense. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, the cultural capital of dilapidated spaces. It's this, the lineage goes all the way back to something like Doom, where they have to have that. And you know what, you know what other uh, developer has this? Blizzard. Like, they, the people at Blizzard, bless their hearts. They are still, like, the higher ups there are still, like, obsessed with this, like, steel, motorcycle, metal, fucking demon shit. Where it's like, if if you ever played Heroes of the Storm, it's like, it's a game where they combine all their franchises. And I think what's interesting about that game is that you could take this as like, how Blizzard sees their universe of products. And when you get to the character selection screen, the sound, the fucking sound, there's like, like metal guitars, <laughs> chug chugging and shit. And it's like, why is this the aesthetic that we had? And it's all steel. It's like very Starcrafty. Like, like all the transitions are like metal and like grates and guns, gun metal shit and like gears and stuff. And it's like, why is this like how you Overwatch decided to though. define your shit? Overwatch is like the one game again that goes against it. And my, I guess it kind of bolsters my point here, which is that like, it's actually kind of nice to be in an Overwatch level, you know? Yeah. We need more of that shit. None of this. Stop. Stop fucking dragging me down with your disgusting spaces. It's not cool anymore, man. It's not 1997. It's not 1992. It's just like, it's like the Pixar model where it's like, they got to break you down to build you back up. And if you start out nice, it can't be nice forever. Cause then where's the plot? Yeah. You gotta, we gotta make them cry. Gotta make them cry. That's like the Pixar yeah. your power thing, from you. That's the this way is that like, games can't show up like a normal world. Like they have to show like the world where everything has gone to shit already. 
because the normal right, world yeah. would just like not. There's, there's, I guess there's less drama to it. There's less player enfranchisement. Like it's just like that's the, the crutch is, is is needing to to make to edify the world. It's like make the world like just like a playground for the player. So it won't it yeah, won't so look yeah. that bad when you you know throw a grenade against the wall because the wall already had like 10, <laughs> 10 grenades already like embedded into it. <laughs> That's yeah, it's true. like you assume that like the reason that everyone's fighting in Battlefield is because the world is falling apart or like, you know, it, the actions of Uncharted only make sense. I mean, this, we kind of, this is like tangentially related to the piece that Austin Walker posted today or yesterday mm-hmm. on like Watch Dogs Legion um, and just sort of talking about like, especially in AAA, which sounds like most of the games that Josh mentioned, there's this sort of like, there's basically sort of a, a palette that they have to meet about like, you know, search, destroy, resource gathering, extraction, shooting, and like death. Mm-hmm. And as much as they try, they all have to do that. And then no matter what mode that they shift into, those things still have to be done to like meet expectations of AAA. And I wonder if that like, you know, that, that section of things just happens to always align with these like sort of, and, and without going into like, totally morally dubious areas there's got to be some sort of like level of oh you're like on this you're in this place that's falling apart or about to crumble therefore when you've got to do this sort of you know dubious thing that we want you to do it's like it's fine because you get to you know the world's falling apart um so yeah yeah i mean like with bioshock infinite it's like you're like the part where it's nice is when there's no violence and then when you have to start committing violence and it's like, oh, wait, let me just let me just turn, you know, raise the curtain. It's like, OK, now it's time. It's good. It's good to shoot everything because they're actually all right, racists. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and then I also I would also guess, I guess, argue that this is why, like, GTA is so popular and like Red Dead Redemption is because like those are also games that like don't take place in a world that's like entirely ruined and just awful to have a sense of presence inside and it's almost like these heightened versions of the world that we actually live in which i think takes a certain amount of i guess uh sensitivity or like the ability to kind of reckon with the things that you have to deal with when you're creating like a space that's supposed to be like an alternate version of the real world and our rockstar has proven a, a few times to be not that great at it. They've tried to get better at it, and they've actually had to change how they do this stuff over the years, which is interesting. But I think that's a direct result of the fact that they are making games that take place inside a world modeled after the real world. Like It necess- necessitates that they have to change their approach when they deal with shit in a in a way that is subpar or that is not, not great. Um, and I think they have evolved in certain respects over the course of like, you know, GTA three to Red Dead Redemption two. I think like they still have a ways to go with that, but it is interesting that like there is, there seems to be a connection there between those things. And then like other developers who, who do try to like portray the world, uh, as like an alternate reality version of itself. I also wonder if there's like a little bit of suspension of disbelief where like if something looks real, like the world that you're in, that's like nice, you start to see sort of the cracks in it. So 
because not all of us live in like war-torn countries, you know, it's seeing this like dilapidated places or like, you know, aesthetics of ruin or something. I mean, there was, it's like the, um, yeah, there's like, there's like a whole like part of like film studies that looks at what, um, sort of like film aesthetics post nine 11, like that's one of like the most, that's like one of the biggest things in like recent American history. That's just like crazy aesthetic destruction moment event. Um, and you look at like films of terror that take place in like city streets, like especially, um, the best example is like the war of the worlds movie that Tom Cruise did. But like, you look at the footage of like nine 11 and you look at war of the worlds and it's like, it looks as if you could cut back and forth between the two, mm -hmm. because there's a sort of like understanding of aesthetic value there of like person on the street when with the cell phone camera, like looking around and stuff. And so I feel like this is like somewhat related to this where we don't have, we like, we like, we so acutely know what real spaces look like that kind of feigning them, um, to, to make it think it's not real, which, uh, I think something like World of the Worlds, its claim is trying to make it look real. So it has resonance for video games. It's like, well, we don't want to try to make it look real. We can make it look fake and with situations that people don't recognize such that like you can suspend the player fantasy. Like it's easier to be in a Bioshock Infinite that's ruined than a Bioshock Infinite that like looks nice because, you know, Antebellum South is not that far away in history. Uh, so you can pretty clearly mark out what's like wrong about that and take to the forums with an angry keyboard or something. Yeah, it's like that part in, in um, Inception where he's like, don't make the dream from your own memories. Yeah. Then it'll like, <laughs> you'll know it's fake. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I think it's, it's something similar where it's like, it's easier to play in sort of aesthetic territories that like maintain this sort of claim on familiarity without trying to replicate it. So like they can sort of say like, well, you know, it's not actually... It's, it's the ruined version, so uh, that's why it looks like this or something. Which is weird because there's this, like, sub-conversation in video games that's been happening for decades now of, like, if you portray things in video games, you're gonna make people feel like they're doing it in real life, which is why shooting games are bad, because if someone shoots someone in a game, they're gonna want to do it in real life type thing. And we treat that conversation and that perspective as being kind of silly, but I feel like it's picked up steam in, even in like some critical circles over the past few years, I've heard people saying that like violence in games is bad because you know, it, it carries into the real world because it's an active interactive medium and it's never really backed by like evidence per se, but it's something that people kind of toy with as a, an idea. And I think that it's, it's not tied to this like weird religious Jack Thompson thing anymore, um, which I think is why it's, I don't want to say it's being taken more seriously now, but I, it does seem to be more part of the conversation than it was before. But it's weird because when I think about that, what you're saying, Kyle, and the way that like realism is something that a lot of developers don't want to like dive head first into because it starts getting more complicated, the more real that you start creating these worlds it makes me wonder if like maybe that there is more credence to that or if like there's this implicit underlying kind of philosophy that 
a lot of developers have, which is that like, well, we don't want to get too close to looking like the real world because it's going to feel fucked up if you're like shooting people in a world that really does feel real, you know? I, I don't know, that's such a half-baked idea, but it does feel like there's this weird friction that we kind of feel at all times, but we don't really talk about it because it feels like an implicit thing. I feel that. But I think it's like you can see like, I think people see the sort of things that like Call of Duty does and probably are like, don't want that heat, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like act like Call of Duty can do it in part because they have like the power of Activision's lawyers behind them or something, but... I think portraying portraying like realism things and enacting violence in like the quote unquote real world definitely feels like a way more moral gray area where if you're like a small studio making a thing, like you better have a pretty damn good reason why you're doing that. Um, so people just skirt it. And there's like, I mean, it's, it's comforting to play Fallout and like where it's just like so cartoonish that it's not, you don't feel like you're shooting real people. Like, it's just like yeah. they don't react to getting shot. <laughs> like they're, you're just like, f- like you know, feeling people filling ghouls with bullets, and they're just like running at you, and then like they, you hit the right like a critical shot, and they explode up into the sky, like and bounce around the walls, like that. That's cool to me. Like I'm, I'm into that. Like I don't, re- I, I don't want like more verisimilitude um, <laughs> than that. Like I'm cool with that. And what's well, like it? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, that's it. I just know like it's um you know it's like a rule at I'm not I'm not a person that like has a gun but I've been to shooting ranges cuz I was born in the south um and you know, like you can't like it's illegal in a lot of shooting ranges to put like the face of something on the thing that you're shooting like the little man so it's just like this cutout <laughs> I mean it's problematic that the person's black that you're shooting for sure <laughs> but it's not like you can't like put a face on that and then run it back to the range and like shoot it mm-hmm. There's like even even when you're holding literally a real gun in real life, there's a sort of like critical distance between the act of what you're doing and then like what the sort of intended target is and moving it from like abstraction to something that's rooted in reality is like even recognized in a place like a gun range as sort of a transgression um, versus like just, you know, shooting a gun against a target or something. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think also like to the. I think almost like shirking away or or being disgusted with the violence part of it. Like it definitely feels like something that exists, especially like in 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 indie circles. Like that in that space, like most popular new games are like colorful, a lot of nature um, aesthetics. Yeah. Like it's the opposite of apocalypse in a lot of these cases. Like they're 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 leaning into the the more almost like feminine aesthetics in some ways. Like it's like. It, that is the direction that the indie space is is moving in and if that feels novel just because like that's like games for the last 30 years have been about like teenage boy fantasies um so it's pretty easy to like create a space um that just but just by the nature of it being um uh colorful natural and soft like you just that like people are going to look, look at it again. I mean, like No Man's Sky is kind of a good example of that, where it's like there's a lot of, I guess, double A, whatever, like um, level of approach to it, where it's still like about polish and about presentation. But then it's not like you could see another developer taking that and having it be a lot more like gray metal, a lot more um, like sure. 
like classic space aesthetics um, and just by wrapping it in a different aesthetic in a different um, palette like it is able to present itself as something fundamentally different even if it may not really be like it's still kind of it's still like an older model but because it looks like something new um, I think it is able to like people are able to read it in that light and that's that's still like I think there's like an indie triple a divide there like where it's like um yeah triple a still need still feels the need to like be edgy in a way that indie sees that they can't compete with and like want and are like going to like push more in 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 the opposite direction yeah that's been one thing about this new console generation that we're getting into now that i've i've been thinking about more and more is that there's been this obsession with striving toward photorealism for such a long time and it still exists i'm not going to say it's completely gone but it feels almost less relevant as an end goal to and i would say toward the person who doesn't typically think about this type of thing um in in the sense that a lot of the big games that we have nowadays don't really necessarily strive toward that sense of photorealism like and the ones that have historically done so are becoming less significant or the returns are becoming less significant so like i'm talking about like you get three extra beads of sweat in nba 2k 21 <laughs> or you know call of duty is like really the closest it gets and even then it feels like, like uncharted I feel it's like. more about the performance now than oh these you're you're gonna see way more shit like there's more rays of light on these people's faces or whatever which is just it's interesting to me the because when you stop seeing that as like the gold standard i think it does make room for more styles i mean you think about what's the biggest games of this year are like fall guys and among us <laughs> and it's like and the PS5 is coming out and it it's like what are what's going on here you know League of Legends Valorant you don't need a PS5 right. to play these games like it's I can like fucking like I can like store all of Cantata on like the chip of like a DualShock 5 <laughs> like I don't even need the fucking control it's like yeah PS5 it doesn't, doesn't make any sense like as a console where you're just like what are what are they offering it's just the ability to play whatever games are on it like there's no like there's no graphical like no one first of all i'm not seeing much of a graphical graphical like leap and also no one's asking for it like no one's like god i'm so sick of the yeah. playstation 4 graphics like that is not a that is not for in most people also, in most normal circles that is not a conversation that's being had i don't think people also are ever asking for that for previous consoles either mm -hmm. it's just that they can like you can dangle the carrot of new graphics and i think that now we're at a point where like it doesn't exist anymore like i don't like I remember being like really, you know, whoa, like the graphics of like the Xbox 360 or something, but it's not like I was like starving for better graphics on Xbox. I was like enjoying what I was playing and liked what I was playing. Mm -hmm. and I think that, yeah, like, like what you're saying though, it's like, it's not, it's not a thing anymore. Like it, it's not even to like the non discerning consumer. Um, it's easy to see how there's not as much as of a, of a difference, you know, if you're not getting like, yeah, the NBA 2K side-by-side, -side, four more sweat beads, you know, thing. All right. Speaking of next generation 
and the last thing that we'll talk about on this podcast, unless y'all have anything Wait, else. Can I, say, can, I, can I say one more thing? Yes. About graphics. I think one of the, one other thing I <laughs> will stop say talking, about so I, <laughs> this. Well, I thought, I thought Yusuf was going to no, pick no. up. So Yusuf, oh. I'm sorry more, I interrupted more, you. More Kyle graphics Give me. Yeah, I mean, I got so much Kyle graphics talk. We can talk about compute shaders, talk about GPGPU pipelines. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, what I think, like, I think a lot about uh, sort of like the, the the thing that happened with like painting um, when photography happened, where painting, it's not a, like a direct parallel and it's it's like a much more messy history than what I'm about to say. But the the general thinking in the art sphere is that when photography happened, painting stopped trying to be photoreal because it was no longer... It no longer needed to be like indexical of reality. So that's why you get stuff like Jackson Pollock and other sort of early, um, like early modern era, I think is the right art f- phrase for like stuff that's like way more abstract in, in terms of painting. Cause it's now forcing people to say like, well, if painting, if we can take photorealism for granted, either through painting because it's so good or through photography, what does it mean for painting? Mm-hmm. And I think that the same thing is going to happen in games where, um, like like the techniques to make something photoreal uh, are largely transferable to just making high quality looking games. It's just right now those tool sets are geared towards like sweat beads. Um, but I think a lot about like the very end of uh, Into the Spider-Verse, um, which I mean, slight spoilers for Into the Spider-Verse, you haven't seen it, but like the last 20 minutes of the movie are just like, it just feels like some fucking top tier animators just flexing on this crazy abstract, like, fa- like fight scene that's like in zero G, and that it's not photo real. It's animated, but I think that what I'm hoping to see is that a lot of these people will, knowing that photo real is like the option, they could do it, but they instead start channeling skill sets to more sort of like artfully created things that are, can be done with the same tools but not to the ends of photorealism. So like, that's sort of my hope, I think for like PS4 or sorry, PS5 is that, and Xbox XX series XX final V2 final um, is like having, we still have the same practitioners. People still make photorealistic stuff, but seeing teams that are really skilled, like someone like, um, you know, the Chinese room or like other people who make really pretty good photorealistic stuff start veering towards like using those tool sets for like much wilder means under like new horsepower. It's like, can we actually get a game that like looks, feels and plays like into the spider verse um, and like has the same sort of fidelity of interaction and like, yeah, you know, if you're not spending your whole frame budget on rendering sweat, like you could probably do a lot of really cool stuff with, you know, physics, graphics, like screen space effects, like all this sort of stuff. Um, so that, that's like sort of my hope for PS five is that it just gets like way weirder because photorealism is so like such like a non-starter for, I think for a lot of people now. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's also like just in terms of labor too, like it, 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 it don't, yeah. it's only going to make it like crunch issues worse if the, if the race is to get more close to photoreal and like, it's such, yeah, it's such a, it's so not worth it. Like you could probably like create something more experimental more interesting to look at with so much less like man hours like um with this new technology like if they're pushing in that direction versus being like you know how do we then like if we push the engine more and like how do we make something that's like flexible that can handle um 
different art styles versus like how do I, you know, render light, you know, better or like, you know, render materials more, more accurately. I think to do that, you have to break this weird inverse relation or this weird relationship between video games uh, as like an art form. There's this weird, like, I guess, inverse relationship between like the fidelity of the game and uh, it's like ability to break artistic barriers or like how avant-garde it is whereas like i feel like everything avant-garde we associate as being low fidelity and then everything that is like you know not that artistically daring is of high fidelity and it's almost hard to imagine a game that is both high fidelity and expensive yet tries to do something new artistically or that is like avant-garde in any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think, I think the thing for me is basically that what's going to happen in the next four or five years is that photorealism will be democratized. Um, I think if you're like, I run a newsletter on 3D rendering technology, so I'm like very much steeped in this. So excuse. <laughs> excuse I run like a newsletter on 3D technology, <laughs> so I know a lot. It's got, it's got, I'm just, I'm just messing with you, man. You um, are, he render.substack. is, I'm vetting Kyle here. He, he, Hit it up. he can be trusted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but basically I think like over the next four or five, I mean, Yusuf, you probably saw this too, like working in animation, but basically like there are things that are happening sort of in the ecosystem of 3d rendering that will make photorealistic rendering more accessible to more people. Mm-hmm. So I think that that'll do two things. One thing is that Josh will totally breed what you're talking about, which is that you have sort of photo photorealistic stuff that is sort of more like quote unquote artistic because you have a different set of people who have access to photoreal technologies. But what that'll also do is this thing that I was talking about before where all of a sudden if like Naughty Dog can't compete on photorealism, they have to say like, okay, well, what are we doing to like differentiate ourselves from the studio that's like, you know, literally a 64th our size and two people who like can render a beautiful world with like, you know, mo-capped actors and stuff. Like where's, what's Naughty Dog's defensibility in that? And either Naughty Dog says, we don't know, and they fold, or they like innovate around some of what we're talking about because like the skill that gets developed in doing this stuff over time does make you like a generally good person at doing art. Sorry, excuse me. In the same way, Yusuf, like, you know, you're doing... Um, when you were doing all the sort of motion work for like Patriot Act, it's not like you are now only ever good at doing motion work on Patriot Act. You're now like a generally good motion artist. And if someone needed you to do something else in sort of a different sphere, you sort of have a toolkit of things that you could apply to that area. So I think that you'll sort of start seeing more of these people sort of experimenting in different styles, especially as sort of like the bottom rung of production starts to be uh, buoyed by like things like Quixel mega scans or like Unreal 5 and it's like infinite poly count thing. Like you'll have more people being able to put out stuff that is able to potentially like fool the average consumer to think that these are AAA products. So like Naughty Dog has to say, you know, like what are we, or like Rockstar has to say, like what are we doing to stave off this? You know, what are we doing? This We need to justify mm. our, you know, $400 million budget what are we now doing? Because photorealism can't be the thing anymore. Mm. Um, and so that's like, I think, I think that would be the biggest story of this generation. 
Um, so I'm excited to see like what that. It's means like free market competition, people. but for art. <laughs> for art. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I, the only thing I ask of this coming world, in which you can make photorealistic avant-garde art uh, somewhat easily, relatively easily is that we just don't get a bunch of cool 3D world stuff everywhere because I can only handle too mu uh, so much cool 3D world. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. oh, there's definitely going to be some of that. There's like a, there's We're a threshold. We're going to push how much cool 3D you can handle. It's going to be... <laughs> you're going to get used to a new paradigm of cool 3D. Oh, yeah. God. Please. But cool 4D No world. more like muscly beefcake guys just Getting smiling at me with these grotesque like uncanny valley faces and i'm done I, I can only i've had enough um we're gonna go back to lawnmower man 3d graphics <laughs> yeah it's gonna be sick yeah 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 uh getting over it with uh bennett oh, yeah, Foddy. So. <laughs> that's a the air it's a marketing opportunity just just right there yeah that's just right there why have they not done anything with that cool 3d world x getting over it mm. okay you shouldn't have put that in the podcast. That's like that's money Damn right it. there. Bennett, if you're listening to this podcast, it's my idea. TM trademark. Don't TM bad end. <laughs> okay, so back to what I was saying before. New consoles coming out. A specific game got delayed due to this. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077, <laughs> and this just happened. So, are any of y'all waiting on this game? Is this something that upsets you? No. Well, I mean, I'm waiting on it in, to the extent that I had to write about it for bullet points. <laughs> um, there, that, it, that is what's happening. I'm kind of worried about it. I'm like, is it going to be like crazy long? <laughs> it's going to be like Dude, Witcher I think three like, times four. It's going to be long. This, this, a hundred percent. Yeah. I don't think so. I think it's going to be pretty short. Mm, That's sort you're of my. Nuts. I think it's. I'm ready for like. So I think I think the thing I was, talk, I was talking to some friends about this yesterday, but basically like I think that we are old, jaded gamer people. Um, and I think that we forget what it meant to have like that game. That was it was the it was that game for you. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it was like um, the first game I really remember, like really, I mean, like obviously there was stuff, but I remember like when I got Oblivion, I was like, oh shit. Mm -hmm. I was like so hype, max hype. You know, I mean, there was like Nintendo stuff as well that I was stoked about, but like the Oblivion was like the game. It was like the crisis, mm -hmm. you know, it was like, I got this game to test my PC. This was the game. Get, and we get haven't them, had get a vendor like, expressions in full <sighs> resolution. Man, I need to see those vendors. I need to know how much grass I can render. I got to change my E and B settings. I got to go into I and I. I'm, I'm like trying to. Then this is like, there hasn't been like a the game in a while. I mean, um, if if, I if there's that, any game, it's this one. Yeah. It, this is this is like the game for like a lot of people where they like bought 3080s. Everyone's like, you know, stocking up on Mountain Dew. Like this is. I got a 3080 by the way. I think for a lot of people that aren't <laughs> us, yeah. Did Josh you get, a, got did a you get it for Cyberpunk too? Cyberpunk uh, not specifically more to stream, but you know, you to, uh, I was thinking about cyberpunk when I got the 3080. Josh has just been really struggling to emulate Metroid prime on <laughs> dolphin at 60 frames per second. He's <laughs> like, trying to emulate it at 39 frames per second. 
<laughs> the gold standard, man. I can tell the difference between 400 and 500 <laughs> FPS. Fair. But it's just like, I think it's it's this cultural moment that I feel like I'm not participating in because I've already had my the game and I'm just like, I don't know, it's going to come out and it's probably going to be fine. So I just like, I'm just thinking of all the fucking, I'm not ready for the torrent of takes and also like gamer tears that are inevitably going to like emerge from this thing. It's going to be... It's going to be a fucking bloodbath. It's not going to be good. And President Trump might be president, so that would be even worse. So who the fuck Then we could just play Cyberpunk 2077 and ignore the outside world for like four years. (laughs) What if Biden is president in 2077? That'd be great. What if at the start of Cyberpunk? What if at Cyberpunk, instead of choosing your person, you chose who was president? That would be pretty cool. That'd be fun. Yeah. Wow. I want the dude from Fifth Element. Always. Like, that dude was the name Titans. It only matters if you make 400K a year, though. True, yeah. Um, I, I feel like if Twitter didn't exist, Cyberpunk would more be the, that game for me. Mm-hmm. You know, because between all their shit with their social media person being a total asshat edgelord on Twitter, and then all these delays and the labor shit going on it's like man this game i don't even i don't even want to develop expectations for this game because first of all even if the game is good i'm going to feel shitty about all the people whose souls are nestled into every pixel of this damn game i'm playing which by the way like how do you deal with that you know because what if you don't buy it and then they don't make money and then well they're still going to make money regardless but theoretically you know if you don't support the game then the they made this game and they're not even going to get money for it, you know, because then that, then that sucks. That's one of the things that you say. Um, they already got paid. They usually don't get residuals okay. from the game. So you're right. But then maybe they won't, there won't be a CD project. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, I feel like I'm hearing the stretch. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm, you know, maybe I'll uh, get it on an Xbox game. <laughs> and the, um, not really catch me a month from it, now in the Discord. Josh is currently playing Cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> at all hours of the day. We should, start, we should start like a we should start a betting pool on how big the game is. It's gonna be big, but you you don't. How but, big? Yeah, why don't, how why big? do you not think it's gonna be big, Kyle? Like, <laughs> big? Oh, like hours wise. Yeah. I, th- I guess because what I've seen of it, everything is like, I, I actually like, I don't know what the core loop of cyberpunk is. It is like unclear to me what you, how you actually play this game. I've like watched gameplay videos, but everything is like cut together mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's like, you sh- everything that I see is like you show up to some club and there's someone wearing like fishnet stockings outside and they're like, <laughs> come in. And then like you walk in this like dark area and then like a gunfight breaks out and like, that's like what it is. It's hard for me to see them stretching that sort of thing out for like. And you got some Hispanic homies like, like, hey, I say like, come on, let's go in the next room, fool. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And they like, like slam like, Kenny will put my pants on, on table, my cool. Yeah. Dude, this turned me off the game so much, too. <laughs> but it's yeah. like, it's like so much of that shit. And it's like, I don't see how. Like, it seems like it's very, very, very... Like, there's open world parts, but all of the sort of stuff seems very staged. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think The Witcher really benefited from the fact that because it took place in sort of, like, an open fantasy world, that there was a lot of um, 
there's a lot of space between stuff that you couldn't do. So it's like you would have to ride your horse across the landscape for like yeah. 20 minutes to like get somewhere. And I think that sort of... I think you're totally would, wrong, I dude. I think you're underestimating yeah. the amount of excess that goes into these games. Like the type of so shit... This, like, that's the, that's think, the other Think about Red Dead Redemption right? 2 where you're just playing something. You're like, I can't believe they took time to do this. Like, it feels wrong to be playing this because this must have taken, like, it's taking me 20 minutes to experience this one event happening on my screen. And it must have taken an exponentially higher amount of time between many other people to create this. And I don't even want to be experiencing it because I'm getting a little bit bored, you know? Like, I'm going to, all I'm saying is main story, I'm going to say, 25 to 30 hours long that's that's my claim that's fair but there's, <laughs> there's gonna be claim. like 20 different like cyberpunk game like parlor games you can play and like you can go to all sure like, sure, sure, so sure. but i think stuff. like i was actually gonna 60, say like, like at least like, no i don't think easily. it's gonna be that like yeah this is the thing like i can't imagine <laughs> I, don't, easily. I don't think so easily but, 60. but do you think do you think that because it was driving in this in cyberpunk do you think it's going to be as janky as roach was in witcher 3 <laughs> oh like it's gonna be so hard to drive oh your car uh, i will say the driving looks passable it reminds me a lot of like need for speed based off what i've mm -hmm. seen it's like way more snappy than i was sort of yeah, expecting arcade which is good this is what they yeah. should do yeah yeah but yeah but yeah i don't know i mean and I, from my perspective, yeah, I think that there's a, this game has like an outrageous amount of baggage attached to it. Like you're not wrong. Like it's definitely yeah. like, it's and similar to Red Dead 2 where it just like the more like you're like, just stop, just stop. Can you just like release the game without <laughs> having any really terrible yeah. interviews? Like, yeah. like you get the PR so bad and yeah. like, and they're just not doing themselves any favors. I mean, it's still going to be do great. It's going to be super, super successful. Um, I mean, for, with bullet points, like our take is always like, if we think we have something that will like enrich the conversation, um, and will like actually be like, and like, there's something like unique about big games. Like everybody plays them. So everybody has like a background with what you're talking about. It's just really hard to write criticism about stuff that like no one's played, like, even if it's like excellent, um, which often is like, it's just like there's there's a power in being able to like latch onto the zeitgeist and like and and actually take it seriously and take it on on take it on its own terms um which includes like the transphobia which includes the uh work like worker exploitation and just like awful uh studio culture i think as long as like we hold to, hold to those standards i don't feel that bad you know playing it and writing about it and talking about it um, cause it's just gonna, it's just gonna be a thing whether we want like it to or not. Um, I, I mean, yeah. I just feel like it's going to be so vacuous. Like I have zero faith that this game will be anything more than it's like gameplay loop. Mm -hmm. And I, so I, but I, yeah, I, I fear for you all. Like what it, it's, but aesthetics, aesthetics go a long way. And like cyberpunk is nothing but aesthetics. It's true. And I think like, especially with something like this game, like it's so inspired or it, it has such a long lineage of of cultural baggage already like from using the the tabletop game and and that series that that fictional universe that's already prepackaged um yeah i'm curious to see how that interacts with the gameplay whether there's like whether there's 
um, synergy there, or whether there's like a really rich aesthetic and then just really boring gameplay, which could very well be the case. Um, have you yeah. have you seen like have you seen Mike Pondsmith like do interviews? Yeah, dude's pretty badass looking. He's badass looking, but he's like so boring. <laughs> it's like it's it's like depressing that like this creator of this universe is like not more like wild. Yeah. Like I'm I'm like looking to him to be like, please be the redeeming factor of mm, this game. Yeah. He's sort of just like, do do do, I'm making a game with people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I, just, I don't know, it's it's weird. Like you would you sort of expect more from someone who like you know, made the cyberpunk RPG, but you know, we can't, can't ever. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, like I think cyberpunk is, has always had that aspect of it where it is. It, it borrows all coolness from other things. <laughs> and then like the actual people who write it are super dorky. It's all about like, yeah. it's all about slumming in other cultures and other um, like, what about, you know, Asia, but in the future, like some dude, like goes, <laughs> Where like, it was goes, like safe to fly there. Yeah, he like goes to Japan for a for a year, and then he's like, "All right, I'm gonna make this in the future, but also in America." And then like, I don't know anything about <laughs> Japan, um, and that's like cyberpunk. It's like us kind of like absorb, like abs- like these nerdy writers absorbing everything else yeah. into whatever their dream their dream is. There's also one last unspoken thing about cyberpunk, which is. Like people act as if CD Projekt Red has this like crazy portfolio pedigree, just like of stuff that they've done in the past. And like Witcher Three was one of my favorite games for a very long time. Witcher Two is awesome, but like that Witcher they one, haven't so done something. It doesn't mean that they can do a, this game. Like it doesn't mean that they can yeah. make like an awesome, the best cyberpunk game. Like we kind of just assume that they're going to make a good game because Witcher 3 was awesome. But like it's a totally different thing. And I don't think anyone has really like, is, is anybody, I feel like we're kind of skirted over the whole Keanu Reeves thing, right? Yeah. Am I going crazy <laughs> here? Weird. Why is no one talking about that? It's, actually, that, that to me feels kind of like a No Man's Sky pipe train that like kind of cursed it which i feel yeah. like cd project cd project red is trying to avoid but also falling into <laughs> yeah the idea where it's like we need to keep postponing it because when like obviously what they have now is not going people are not going to be happy with like i feel like there's like a little level of that where it's like trying to like you know like wait guys wait 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 guys hold on hold on it's not ready yet it's like still cooking it's like it's gonna be so good and then it's like oh wait this is not, this is not good i need to i need to spice this up throw something in here like they're not like i feel like they're just not they're not ready yeah and the hype is so out of control yeah and you're right like yeah kyle brought it up too which is that like i've watched so many like the first 15 minutes of (laughs) cyberpunk 2077 (laughs) and i feel like when i walk after i watched those i still had no clue what the first 20 (laughs) minutes this game looked like Cause I was like, I'm just like, is this, it had that feel of like an E3 demo where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, it's yeah. all like, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. just, it looks like they're, it looks cinematic. Like th- it's not going to play like this. I'm going to like look at the corner of the wall and be like looking at a poster for five minutes or some shit. <laughs> How much trash am I going to pick up? That's why I need yeah, to know. It's like, yeah, well, what am I going to, like, where am I driving after that? Like, what is that going to look like? Like, what's the next mission going to look like? 
dude, you haven't shown me any of that shit yet. And you're right, like, we just assume that there's a game here, but nobody's actually seen it. Like, I can't be convinced that it's real. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll have to find out in a month or who knows how long. It, it could be longer. I mean, yeah, I think that the difference with, like, say, No Man's Sky is that they have made Witcher 3. So if they did just make Witcher Not 3, just but if it Joe was Danger. Cyberpunk, <laughs> it would probably be good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Joe Dan- I'm not going to discount Joe Danger. It's great. It's, it's just, wonderful. But I feel like you see Joe Danger in No Man's Sky seems a little further off than but Witcher 3. What if they were trying to make that same logical that leap of of game of game development with Cyberpunk? They're like, the Witcher 3 was our Joe Danger. <laughs> exactly. I mean, but the, like... <laughs> That's the thing is like, uh, that's the assumption is uh, if they could make a uh, cyberpunk Witcher three, then it's going to be good. But it's like now there's guns. The sword yeah. play wasn't even good in the Witcher. <laughs> and now it's in first person. <laughs> like what? we're just assuming that they're going to do this shit. I yeah. mean, granted, it'll probably be just fine. But it's weird to me that people don't question this. It's weird that. C I mean, Project Red has this reputation after making like one really good game. Fair. I think the other thing though is that like the, they do have the benefit of like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like no one has really tried to do what they're doing before, or they've always sort of compromised in some yeah, way. No, I agree. So no one has like made like the open world cyberpunk yes, game yes, in yes. part because it's a fucking tall order yeah. and so everyone always makes like cuts corners in some way and so like i mean kudos to them for fucking trying to do it <laughs> and like burning the shit out of all their employees and they're all gonna <laughs> leave but like we might get out of it like 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 the, the 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 potential is really large right it's like this could be the cyberpunk game like it could be like the final word on what it means to be a cyberpunk game. And we're going to have like a fuck ton of DLC forever. And this game's going to make maybe a billion dollars or something. <laughs> but like this could be like the thing, right? Like it feels like it, it could be bigger than just like. A That's why it feels makes. very this No Man's like, Sky. Cause like it, yeah. that was No Man's Sky was like exploring the entire universe, baby procedurally generated. You could never hope to see it all. If you look hard enough, you can find cyberpunk in no man's sky. It's just, you know, the generation. (laughs) Yeah, it could exist. (laughs) It could exist, right? Theoretically. I guess. Yeah. That is also like why Austin, Austin's review is so relevant, right? Where it's like, they're like experimentation in the AAA space is such a fraught area. Because there's so much gamer expectation and audience expectation, and there's also so many like limitations um, based on what's marketable and and what is what is like what makes the enormous effort put in worthwhile. Um, so like, I think it's going to be a question of like just like the fact that they're like in their announcement when they're delayed, they're like we're not going to tell our workers. Cause like they might like, it's going to affect the stock value. Like there's so much tied up into that. Like they need the, like, like they need this to sell great. Cause the fucking like, cause they want this, it's going to really like affect their company's stock value. Like you can't make art in that like environment. Like it's the expectations are just completely skewed. Um, and I think that 
spells a certain, I mean, it maybe it doesn't spell disaster, but it kind of like makes it a lot more dicey. And it makes me a little bit less like confident that what they're making is like something like something like where it comes out of nowhere. Right. Where it's like purely imaginative and purely like right. yeah, purely like it, it was like lightning in a bottle or, or, or something where they just believed in it. Like it feels like it's, it's moving like outer wilds that. or something. Yeah. Right? Like it, I feel like it's gone beyond that point. And now it's like there. It's almost. It's like, and and with anything that gets like delayed this much, it always feels like you're like, oh, like whoever's holding the money is like, is sweating down their is like breathing down their backs. <laughs> yeah. And like, there's just a lot going on that where it's like the purity of the idea is like, is brought is is brought into question more so than it would be if it had been a different production process. Like what happened to to it just taking to be re- to being ready when it was ready? Like wasn't like like the idea like before? Like when they're like, we don't need to make a yeah. game. We we run like a storefront. Like it's like the Valve system. Yeah. Yep. It's ready when it's ready, baby. The sign and of every like, good developer, yeah. <laughs> unless it's a game that I've been waiting to play for a very long time. In which case, <laughs> you better get that shit out next month, or else I'm gonna complain. I'm gonna have leverage against you because i already asked my boss for the day off etc um did you you have to like i did not but i know people did and i would not (laughs) i'm not even if i did ask for the day off which i'm not that type of guy to ask for a day off to play a video game i think it's just a principle you just play it's a dignity thing for me (laughs) for some reason i've never like would you take the day off for a halo game come on (laughs) Would you, like, You're gonna be taking off like a day off every month for like a year. <laughs> yeah, he's like waiting for. It See, to at a certain out. point, Stores it feels like 25, 30 you, hours. people just do that so they could have a story of like I took the day off to play that game, not because they actually need to take a day off to play the game. You know, like you're gonna get that yeah. time at some point. Um, Someone and I have principles. Okay, um, I think once you stop right, taking listen. a day off to play a game, that's when you know that you are too old to play games. <laughs> That's when we crossed no, into said, our don't zone or do old and jaded. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's... I've never done this though. My whole life, my whole career as a gamer. I've never thought about yeah. it. Yeah. I was thought, I don't know about that. I feel like if I reach that threshold, <laughs> I'm, I'm too far gone. Like, as someone who like runs a game studio, I'm definitely like being like, it's market research, man. I got to fucking play it today. <laughs> Expense yeah, that shit. The beauty of being your own boss. All right, guys, listen, before we wrap this up, I need some numbers from you all. I want to I want to hear in gigabytes or you can say megabytes. How big is uh, Cyberpunk 2077? I'm going to say my my bet right now. I'm going to say 120 gigs. Dude, I was like, I number. swear to God, I was going to say 120. <laughs> You, want to say, you can say 122. You can be right there with me. Is Price is Right rules? Um, one, <laughs> this, is, this is just, you know, whoever wins gets a pat on the back. One nine. You know what? 115. Oh, 115. One 115. One fi- okay, 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 okay. 115. I'm going to, yeah, I'm, I'm going to lowball at 95 on install. 95. Gonna, oh, on gonna, install they're gonna, they're or gonna post you're, day one patch? You're gonna day one patch? Day one with patch? Okay. One, no, no, Thirty with, with, after the day one patch. <laughs> with day one patch, ninety five. But then, like, there's gonna be like a day twenty patch that like is like hundred gigs. <laughs> All right, I got Yusuf. 
That's like how Call yeah. of Duty is. Josh. Yeah, those games just like balloon after like a year. It's they're, they're like absurd. Gigs. This game's like 200 gigs. Yeah. It's like you need to compress some of that shit, bro. You don't need all those gigs. And when there's a patch, it's like 50 gigs. It redownloads the It's whole like a thing. 50 gigabyte yeah. patch. I'm like, how are you even doing this? What is this? What are the mechanics of a 50 gigabyte patch? Anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways. We're ready to wrap? All right. Let's wrap it up. This has been another episode of Bad End Podcast, episode 85 to be exact. We're rounding that 90 corner, which will then be 100. We should start preparing for that because that's going to be here before we know it. Anyway, thank you to Yusef Cole for coming on the show. What are you up to? Where can people find you? Um, anything you want to plug before we log off here? Um, <clears throat> you can find me on Twitter. Uh, Yumi Yu is my username on Twitter. And, um, you know, I'm working on a couple of pieces. Should have something coming out in Wired pretty soon about uh, the new Star Wars Squadrons. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, game that was fun. I'm glad it was. That was a forty dollar game. That's how much you should charge for a game like that. That was a good price because <laughs> I played exactly forty dollars <laughs> worth. Um, and yeah, like uh, I write for Unwinnable. Check them out every month. They drop a new magazine and bullet points. We're wrapping up our Amnesia month and moving on to uh, Black Ops, and then some other games, maybe Cyberpunk at some point. Um, but we're, you know, looking for, I'm looking forward to the next, to the rounding out this year with some, some sweet crit, some sweet, um, you know, online crit that's going to be topical and incisive as ever. Ooh. I guarantee it. Some of the best writing on the internet there about video games, folks. So go check out Boil Points. that. For sure. They are part of Superculture Network. Find them at Bullet Points Monthly. Right. It's bullet points yes. monthly.com. Right. Okay. And then uh, they are part of Superculture, which we are also a part of, Bad End Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Bad End Podcast. You can email us at badendpod at gmail.com. We invite you to rate us and review us on iTunes. It's very helpful. It's also very helpful to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bad end. Um, Shouts out to all our Discord users out there. Love y'all. Um, one of the most active uh, communities that I am a part of currently has been a major factor in getting me through the coronavirus shit. Made a lot of actually new yeah, friends through sure. there. So that's pretty cool. Um, shouts out to everyone on that Discord. And shouts out to everyone who's listening to the show. We appreciate you tuning in. And we will see you in a couple of weeks. Later.